Blog Talk Radio. Why, hello there. Welcome to Carl's Cavern. I'll be your server tonight. As you peruse our fine beer and cheese menu, you will be hearing the owner of this fine establishment, Mr. Carl Kafer, as he gives you his wisdom and thought on whatever subject strikes him as important during the moment. So please, order your cheese and get ready for some enlightening conversation. Thank you very much for coming to Carl's Cavern. And always remember, cheese is the way of life. And here he is, coming up on the stage right now, the one, the only, our host, Carl Gabriel! <laughs> Steven, I always have to just giggle at that, that intro. I think you did such a great job with that. And, of course, I'm, I'm here today, uh, folks. This is Carl's Cavern with, with Stephen Ronquillo and a uh, special guest, uh, uh, friend and, and uh, black pulp or, uh, writer and movie reviewer Derek Ferguson. Say hello, Derek. Hello, Derek. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> how you doing, Carl? <laughs> Carl and Steve, how doing you guys well. doing this evening? We're, we're doing well. Glad to have you back on. Um, so today, uh, well, it all started when I read your post on Facebook, and and uh, what we're going to be talking about today is is sort of this uh, bounce back uh, from the from Black Lives Matter and how it's affecting the arts because there there's of course the um, they pulled Gone with the Wind HBO Max. And uh, I guess they're going to bring it back next week. Uh, uh, the and then, of course, I read the They should pick ours, damn it. We, we're going to have it done. <laughs> they can just slap it on there for five bucks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but so, so anyway, uh, Derek, I'm just going to give it to you and, and give us a sort of like your, your take on all of this and, and what you feel about it. And, 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 of course, I, I do this from uh, uh, you're the only one of us here of African-American descent. So so you have a diff, probably a different viewpoint on this than, than most. So I want to uh, just hand it to you, and, and, and you can uh, rant away. <laughs> no, I'm not going to rant away because going with the wind doesn't bother me. <laughs> it doesn't. I've seen, I've seen going with the wind – from start to finish, maybe about three or four times. And I've seen, like, bits and pieces of it another three or four times. And, you know, I've seen it, and, uh, yes, I will, of course, freely admit the movie does have problems. A lot of people are getting excited about this whole thing about Going with the Wind being pulled from HBO Max, which only goes to reinforce my belief that people don't actually read stuff that's posted on the internet. They, because uh, representatives of HBO Max clearly stated that the movie would be returned. They just wanted to be able to uh, provide like a discussion panel or a bumper that would uh, provide some sort of context for the movie and let people know, well, you know what? This has got images of uh, racism and slavery in here that we don't agree with, but 
this movie, you know, it's a historical, um, uh, um, what's the phrase they use? Film history. Context. It's important to film history. And, and that's why they're showing it. So, yeah. So, yeah. And so, there's two reasons why it's in film history, and one is not what you think. First, it's the first movie to use the word, the, the first American movie to have a curse word in it, which is damn. And second, it came out about 1935, didn't it, Carl? About 39. Out of the wind, the movie. And you had in a movie in 1939 that was beloved in the South, Hattie McDaniel backhand a white woman in the movie and there was no race there was no complaints about that and it was the first yeah. movie where you actually got to see a black woman backhand a white woman in a movie well it's a movie yeah. well if you remember there is a scene where uh mammy she tells scarlett o'hara off you know she said and actually, as a matter of fact, every character in the movie gets a scene where they get to tell Scarlett O'Hara off. So, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, this is a movie, and as I always tell people when they say, well, why don't you have a problem with going with the web? Well, because speaking of it as a cultural artifact, it is a prime example of a style of filmmaking that we will never see again. You know, this is how Hollywood made efforts. They didn't do it with CGI. If they needed to burn down the city, they built the city and then they burned it down. You know, yeah. they had to make, you know, uh, there's absolutely no CGI. You know, everything in this movie had to be made by hand. Whatever special effects is done, it had to be done by hand. You'll never see filmmaking like this again. And just from that point of view, I always say that, this movie should be available to be seen. And it is available to be seen. Of course, when HBO Max said that they were pulling the movie, what happened? I just looked online a few minutes ago, and it's the number one seller on Amazon now. It's sold out. Yeah. Every copy, every edition is sold out. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, of course it is. <laughs> And plus, if you yeah. get rid of the movie, you're getting rid of Hattie McDaniel's Oscar win, Hattie McDaniel's great performance, Hattie McDaniel getting treated by an equal by Clark Gable. Well, there's a line that's in the movie when, uh, where uh, Clark Gable, Rhett Butler, he says that Mammy is the only person whose respect that he ever wanted. But it's not just her performance, Hattie McDaniel. It's everybody's performance. This is a great movie, just as entertainment, you know, and it's got yeah. great performances from Clark Gable and, you know, uh, who is it? Uh, Vivian Lee. Yeah, yeah, Leslie Howard. I mean, you know, everybody turns in a great performance in this movie. Nobody is just phoning it in. This is this is one of those epic movies that everybody gave it their all, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you would lose a lot of great performances, and I'm. And I am not a big fan of, you know, and I don't know what it is. For some reason, every 20 years or so, people point at going with the wind and said, okay, well, we got to get rid of this movie. For some, You know, for some reason, I have no idea why. Nobody ever says, let's get rid of Breakfast at Tiffany's, which has one of the truly most offensive 
uh, racial stereotypes of all time. Uh, uh, performance right, from Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Rooney. Yeah. That, is, oh, yeah. that, is absolute, that is that is absolutely appalling. But but you never hear anybody say, "Oh, well, we got to get rid of breakfast at Tiffany's." So. You hear any of us Mexicans ever say we got get we got to get rid of Walk Proud because it has uh, Robbie Benson as a Latino or Scarface? Yeah, well, Scarface you know, is a brilliant yeah. movie, so they better not talk about getting rid of that. But yeah, there are plenty yeah, of movies. But, uh, my point but, is, but I mean, there are plenty of movies. A Jew, a oh, Wop, yeah. and a Kike as Latinos. Well, we don't want to get rid of it. <laughs> Oh. And of course I don't agree with your 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 uh uh what you said Language, there as far as the word. Yeah. But yeah. What but is point, this? Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. What did you what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> uh Beth Murray Abraham, a Jew, plays a Latino in Scarface. Uh, an Irishman plays a Latino in Scarface. An Italian plays a, a, a Latino in Scarface. Yeah, clean that up, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing the thing about it is, if I take a look at these things, and and we have to look at these movies and and things in context, and when they were made, uh, by viewing something from today's eyes that was thirty, forty, fifty years ago. You know we're we're missing the whole you know march of progress in our thinking and so on and so forth and 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 in many ways, I think we're dismissing you know things like you said with God with the wind with uh with the great performances and the great filmmaking and that sort of thing I mean one of the things that that Stephen talks about being mexican uh is uh things like um speedy Gonzalez, of course, another one that just came up. Was I don't know if you saw this, Derek, but uh, they're redoing the Warner Brothers cartoons. They're coming out with a new batch of them, and it was just reported that Elmer Fudd's not going to have a gun. Did you hear that? Yeah, well, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> and well, I've seen a picture you know of Elmer Fudd with a scythe. Oh. That thing looks scarier than the gun did. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? It's a sign of the times. This is how, you know, the world changes. The world has moved on, and things have changed that we may not approve of. But hey, I mean, what is it? I mean, there's nothing you could do. Me, I'm like this. As long as the original Warner Brothers uh, cartoons are still available for their, you know, as long as they're still available for me to see and other people to see, and uh, you know, yeah, they're on HBO I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, as long as it's still around, I'm fine. You know, like I said, I am not a fan. Even though, yes, it, it's offensive. A lot of things are offensive. Uh, uh, okay, prime example I could think of. Touch of Evil, brilliant movie about Orson Welles, one of the greatest film noirs ever made. However, you've got Charles and Heston playing a Mexican instead of somebody like Okay, Ricardo Montalban, who really should have been playing that role. Okay, do we get rid of the movie just because of uh, Charlton Heston is playing 
a member of no. another race? No, I don't think so. No. You know, yes, I mean, that's unfortunate, but, you know, you, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. It's like treasure no. uh, in Sierra Madre. Most most people are like, oh, my God, how can you take that with Mexicans like that? And then you hear us Mexicans go, we don't need your stinking batches. No. We find it funny. And how, you know, and, and how many times has that been used as a joke? I mean, one of the funniest yeah. things in UHF is 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 uh, the guy that plays uh, the, the the pet show, you know, and, and like uh, here's a delivery of this and aardvarks and so on. And here, here are your badgers. Badgers? You know, I mean, the point the point being, these things are now in the pop lexicon. You know, whether or not you like it or not, or whether or not they're they're you consider them uh, politically correct or not. You know, they're in the lexicon. Yeah. And, 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 and I think make that's one, important. And let, yes. And let me make one thing perfectly clear to your listeners, your esteemed listeners. I am not defending Going with the Wind. Going with the Wind has been around for 80 years, which is a testament to the power of the movie itself. So it doesn't need me to defend it. I'm not defending his racial images or his depiction of slavery. All I'm just saying is that, uh, for me, there are other movies that are just as offensive or even far more offensive, and we don't make a big deal about those. You know, nobody says anything about them. You know, so I, me personally, I just don't under, I just don't understand why every twenty years or so we have to point at this particular movie and say, okay, well, this movie is a horrible movie, and it, we ought to get rid of it. Yeah. Well, you know why um, they point their uh, their fingers at it is, is okay. Go ahead. Uh, Birth of a Nation, about twenty DVD versions, and there's a Blu-ray version of it. No one talks about banning that anymore. Triumph of the Will. No one has ever mentioned a word about banning that movie. And those have more of a right to be banned than Gone with the Wind. That's true. That's true. But, you know, propaganda as film has has been around forever and ever and ever. I mean, you take a look. We were talking about Warner Brothers cartoons, right? Uh, there was a set of them that came out in the 90s or early aughts where uh, the Warner Brothers felt it was important to have uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg make a comment because a number of them had Japanese stereotypes and German stereotypes because they were out during the war. Uh, and again, this, this comes to my argument about context. Okay, these are out during the war. They're our enemy you're going to stereotype. And you take a look at films from that era. And that's true of the German films like Triumph of the Will or Olympiad. You know, I mean, they're going to push their own agenda. And and that is a political thing that happens. Now, uh, Gary, one of the things I also noticed on your post, uh, as uh, you originally did it, was uh, you had some comments to make about uh, the black exploitation era, and what are going to happen to those films? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, you had 
a whole decade of black exploitation movies, right? And in, and in the course of that decade, you had movies where African Americans were portrayed as criminals, lowlifes, prostitutes, pimps, drug users, drug pushers. You know, they, those were exceptionally negative portrayals of African American life. You know, so what? Uh, shouldn't we get rid of those? as well, since they didn't portray African-Americans in perhaps the uh, best. Uh, I just think that if some people, okay, if some people had it their way, when it comes to black films, there would be nothing left for Sidney Poitier movies. (laughs) Because any movie that has a negative stereotype of a black person, of course, we're supposed to examine it, and we're supposed to look at it, and we're supposed to evaluate it for what it is. But sometimes life is ugly, and sometimes films reflect the times that we live in. The black exploitation movies were uh, were an example of films that were made that reflected uh, not only the political and economic, but emotional state of the African-American in America at that time. Plus, there's the financial thing to take into account because these movies were saving Hollywood, who couldn't give their movies away at that time when black exploitation came along. And once those movies became a huge success, every major studio in Hollywood was making them until they were back on their feet and they didn't have to make them anymore. And then they went on to something else. So when I've we got talk a about story for you, Ferguson, what's his name? Who was it? Who uh, one of our favorites, Carl, who was in Cooley High, the star? Glenn Turman. Yeah, Glenn Turman. He went down to AIP. It was about seventy-six or so, and he's like, "Hey, when are we gonna do our next movie?" And uh, the head of AIP said to him, "Oh, we don't need to make those movies anymore." We've got money now. We don't need to bother with black movies, so we're just not going to make them. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I have heard that story. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, and you know that's the truth. You know, once they didn't need those movies anymore, they stopped making them. You know, but we have a whole decade of those movies. Some of them, which I have seen, are quite offensive. You know. Shouldn't we get rid of them? If we talk about getting rid of Gone with the Wind, shouldn't we talk about getting rid of them as well? Me, I don't want to get rid of any of them. I want these movies to be out there for people to watch and enjoy and, more importantly, discuss and evaluate. And, you know, this is what uh, movies should do. It should spark discussion, and people should go back and forth and express how they feel. And and hopefully out of that comes more movies, better movies that better reflect the attitudes of uh, the people it is depicting in those stories. Well, the problem I've always seen, Derek, is that you always hear everyone talk about the Superfly, the Mac, like you said, the you know, the, the player movies. But do you hear anyone ever talk about the spook who sat by the door, uh, Top of the Heap, uh, Five on the Black Hand Side, uh, Cornbread Earl and Me. 
Book of Numbers. The Learning Tree. Yeah, one. Book of Numbers. The Learning Tree. Yeah. The ones, Conrad. Ones like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Exactly. Nobody ever mentions those movies. Yeah, you know, nobody ever mentions Nobody. That, yeah, nobody does mention them. I agree very much. I was just going to say one of the best things that ever happened to me when I was growing up in the 70s was we got we were an early pick for HBO. So HBO would come in and I saw so many black exploitation films. And the one thing that I really connected with was this sense of other you know that 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 they had one of the reasons that these films were being made were were both a positive uh role model but also Getting, giving it to the man, to the people in charge, you know, getting the upper hand. And certainly that was true of Shaft. That was true of Superfly. But, but you know, that's part of the righteous anger that comes through in that era. And if you take those oh. movies and you put them to the side, you're missing part of the message, I think. Yeah, and a lot, those mo- a lot of those movies are... Um... Take Fences, one of my favorite movies. Cotton Comes to Harlem. Cotton Comes to Harlem is the grandfather of everybody cop action movie you saw in the 1980s. In 70s, yeah. yeah. I agree. Confidence yeah, Love and Ray Bigger Jones. Yeah. If you look yeah. at a movie like Lethal Weapon and stuff like that, the DNA from Cotton Comes to Harlem is in movies like Lethal Weapon and 48 Hours. Oh. And, you know, all of those movies of that nature, yeah. And that was a black exploitation movie, you know. One and of the best I might just black, but not, not just, uh, you know, you mentioned Lethal Weapon that was with, with uh, African-American actors, but take something like Bustin with Gould and, and uh, Robert Blake or any buddy cop movie. That DNA is yeah. in there, no matter what. And... Uh... Like a, across 110th Street. My favorite part of that whole movie is the end, when the black, uh, the black head of the, the Harlem mob go, starts to go to bed, and he's like, "Aren't you going to stay up and see how this ends?" No, I don't have to. I've seen it before, and it always ends the same way. One of the best. That is one of the best crime movies ever made. Period. Oh you know. yeah. When people when people talk about black exploitation, I say no. It is not just black exploitation. No, it's a crime it, is a, it is a solid crime movie, and also it does not shy away from the racial aspects of it, which is what I love about no. the movie. It doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, Anthony Quinn and Yafikado, they don't like each other. They don't. You know, Anthony Quinn is a pandering racist. Matter of fact, he's the worst kind of racist. Is that he thinks he's the guardian of the good blacks. You know, that's in Harlem, right. you know. That's a horrendously pandering attitude that he has. You well, know, you even though he Yabba thinks Cole he's doing good. Him, he said that may have worked back in the 40s and 50s, but it ain't going to work now. Well, yeah, Fernando mm-hmm. isn't the nicest of guys. He, he has his issues, too, which is what I yeah. love about the movie, is that, you know, none of these characters, uh, I'm not, a person that, and I always hear this all the time from people when they say, well, I don't like that movie. And I say, why do you like it? Well, there were no likable characters. Well, I don't need for the characters to be likable. As long as I understand what they're doing and they're true to the story that's being told, 
that's the important thing more than, you know, well, do I like them? You know, I don't need to like them. I just need to understand what they're doing and that they're being true to their characters in the context of the story. That's what, that's my concern. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story about the first time I ever saw a film where a black actor and what he said had a real effect on me. And it's probably a film that you wouldn't think of. But I remember seeing it when I was younger, like I was about 12 or 13 on TV. And it was The President's Analyst. I love that movie. It's a wonderfully... Oh, new, James Coburn. Satire. Yeah. But there... Yeah, Godfrey Cambridge. Yeah, yeah Godfrey Cambridge. When he talks about, yeah. about being young... And everybody calling him, and I'm going to say the word, nigger. And then he figures out what it really is. And it is. Yeah. It just tears your heart out. And it's brilliant. Well, don't forget Watermelon yeah. Man, too. I love that last line in there. He's like, don't you miss being white? He's like, no, I prefer, I'm not going to say it, being black. Because you know where you stand that way. Yeah, Watermelon Man is a movie that uh, doesn't, to me, it doesn't get talked about, not just enough at all. A lot of of people that I talk to, you know, black and white, I mean, you know, film fans, they never heard of it. And I said, wait, you've never heard of Watermelon Man? I said, oh, my God. You know, and I tell them, okay, your homework is, I tell them. People don't exist until Sweet Sweet back. They don't know a day of a four-day pass. A watermelon man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of movies out there. I mean, you know, there are a lot of movies out there. And if they don't get talked about, you know, people don't know about them, which is why whenever I get invited to come on a, a, a prestigious program such as this one, I always make sure that I throw up. Oh, good God. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> We just I always make sure. <laughs> I always make sure that I mention as many movies as possible as I can, so people will say, "Okay, well, hey, that sounds interesting. Let me go check that out." So, so I I wanted to ask you this question, Derek, since we're talking about films and black exploitation films. One of the proto okay. black exploitation films I love uh, is Uptight, which was directed by Jules Dassin. Uh, uh, and and it's a uh, remake of John Ford's The Informer. Do you know that film? Now, see, that's a movie I've never heard of that. Check it out. It's called Uptight, uh, and, and uh, it is really good. Jules Dassin was a French director who came here over here to do that. Uh, he's best known for Top Copy. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, check that one out. Um, that's got Roscoe Lee Brown. Uh, oh, he's people. terrific. I love Roscoe Lee Brown. Friggin' love him. Um, but, Fabulous. yeah, check that one Fabulous out. actor. Mm-hmm. Now, there were so many great actors that came out of the black exploitation scene that never did get the mainstream credit they deserved. People like Thomas Rasulala, uh, Glenn Turman, uh, the guy that you just said. 
Yeah, Roscoe Lee yeah. Brown. Yeah. I mean, we take a look at these things, and, and, and again, you know, we're talking basically about this reactionary sense of, of, of uh, uh, banning or, or, you know, seeming to ban certain films. But the thing is, there's so many good things about film, even if you have a difficulty with the subject and how it's handled. Um, you know, uh, there's just so much out there. And it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, I'm, I'm very against any type of censorship. However, what they're doing with Gone with the Wind, what they did with that set from uh, from Warner Brothers cartoons, you know, if you have uh, a bumper or something that discusses things, if we talk about it, if we educate, unfortunately, many people don't do that. They just think it's disposable, it's almost disposable. We don't need to talk about it, you know. The pro- the problem Seriously. I have with the problem I have with our current culture right now is that you have people who believe that if it's something that they don't like and it offends them, it's not enough for them that they say, okay, well, you know what? I don't like this. I'm just not going to watch it. No, they believe that it does not have the right to exist, period. Right. Which is, which is what wrong. I get, which is, which is what I get from a lot of people when I talk to them about going with the wind and they say, okay, well, uh, you know, this movie has no right to exist. Well, who are you to say that, that it has no right to exist? This movie for right or for wrong, whatever it's sin, it was the creative brainchild of a lot of people. You know, this is something that they spent time out of their lives that they will never get back to make this movie. And they didn't make this movie saying, okay, well, we're going to make this movie and we're going to deliberately piss off generations of people with its depiction of slavery. No, they did As a matter of fact, the movie, okay, here's where I really make a lot of people mad at me. Okay, the movie is not about slavery. The movie is about the love story of Scarlett O'Hara and Rhett Butler set against the backdrop of the Civil War. Slavery is a component of the movie, yes, but it's not what the movie is about. People get upset because, okay, now, wait a minute, I want to take a step further. People get upset about the movie's depiction of the slaves being happy and, you know, they don't mind being slaves and, you know, all that good shit. But here's the thing. Going with the Wind is told through the point of view of Scarlett O'Hara. And here's the thing about Scarlett O'Hara that a lot of people don't understand. Scarlett O'Hara is not the hero of the movie. She's actually the villain. Yeah, the whole movie is getting fed up with her shit. Scarlett O'Hara is a horrible human being who sees the Civil War as nothing but an inconvenience to her living a pampered, spoiled life. Yeah. She is absolutely horrible to everybody in the movie. She uh, schemes to steal the husband of her best friend. Uh, She marries one man, steals his money, takes his business, and when he dies, she just, like, literally steps over his body and just keeps going. Her daughter dies, and she barely bats an eye. You don't, you know. And she keeps... so Scarlett O'Hara is actually the villain of the movie, which is why people say, well, there's no real villain in the movie, you know. 
Yes, there is. It's Scarlett O'Hara. If you look at that movie, I mean, next time you watch that movie, watch her. She is a thoroughly despicable human being. Yeah, what does so, she say when Red says he's leaving her? Does she say, don't go, stay? No. no she says, well, what about me? Yeah. Huh. Frankly, my dear, but that's I don't whole give thing. a damn. Boom. Yeah, that's her... That's her whole attitude through the whole movie. Everything is about her. Everything is centered around her. She does. She really doesn't care. The only person she might have any affection for in that movie is her father, and that's it. That I can see. Everybody else, no. You know, she has. She has no. She's a horrible human being, and she deserves what she gets. That did. We're supposed to, you know, think that she's this resourceful, plucky heroine. You know, but no, she's not. <laughs> she's not. So, so of course, since we're seeing the movie through her point of view, of course, she thinks that the slaves are happy being slaves. <laughs> right. If that makes any sense. It's how they perceive it. They don't watch it. They just go by their perceptions. Well, it's set in the Civil War. So it must be, at, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to set a movie in uh, during the Civil War, yeah, there's going to be slaves and there's going to be racism. You can't get around it. But that, but like I said, that doesn't mean that the whole movie is about slavery. You know? Not at all. And no. No. Yeah, no. Go, and going with the wind, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, it isn't about slavery. It's got slaves. Sure. Just like Westerners have horses. All right. If I was <laughs> I like that. The movie Twelve Years a Slave offended me more than Gone with the Wind because Twelve Years a Slave used one of my most hated cliches, which is the white savior. Oh, the slave got saved by Brad Pitt coming down with a piece of paper. Isn't it wonderful that the white man came to save him? Well, considering that. Brad Pitt was the one that pushed to get the movie made. He put his own money in there and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I give him a pass for that, you know. It's just that cliche. I've never liked that. Yeah, that's well, listen. Okay, or I'm not going to that. Or any movie that tells a historical gonna. story like Old Gringo where it tells about uh, Pancho Villa but it has to have white observers. Okay. It has to have a white character to have, so the people can identify with them. Uh, okay. Now, again, why are we going to pick on 12 Years a Slave and say, okay, that when we have had literally hundreds of movies, a reason, okay, one movie that I want to tell you that really pissed me off more than 12 Years a Slave, the recent Tarzan movie. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that one was Did you see that one? See the yeah, that one was now, don't, now, now, don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. It's a good movie. However, actually, the hero of that movie should have been the Samuel L. Jackson character because if you read the history of what was going on in the Congo at that time, the Samuel L. Jackson character actually was the one that should have been the hero of that movie, not Tarzan. Yeah. And we have had... And we've had literally thousands of movies that hinged upon, you know, the white, oh, 
what was the other movie? Uh recent uh movie with uh Viola Davis, uh the one about the maids called The Help. Oh, the hell. Yeah. Yeah, not oh, a whole man. movie was told through the point of view of Emma Stone. Yeah, and you know yeah. what really offended me? In the movie, they had the maid in the 50s go and feed the old white woman a pie with her shit in it. And then they treat it as a joke. If that really yeah. happened in the South in the 50s and they really wanted to be honest, not only would they kill the woman that did it, they would kill her entire family. Yeah, but she didn't know she was eating shit. Yeah, but yeah, she that's told true. Her. No, it's it's. But the whole thing about the white savior, or you know, um, another you know the um, any type of magic character. Uh, uh, in yeah. terms of white savior, uh, the magic cripple, you know, whatever you want to say, I, I find that difficult to deal with at times. Um, simply because I'd but rather part, see the reality. But it's been part of our movie. No, I'm just saying that the white savior trope has been part of our movie going experience for, you know, as long as I've been going to the movies and watching movies. Oh, yeah. You know, that's here. just something Same that, in, I mean, you know, that was only something that got derailed during the black exploitation era. Um, when Sidney Poitier, when he started his career, you know, we started seeing a uh, black man as a heroic character and not yeah, as and a the sidekick, the night, you know, to the white hero, you know, uh, and of course, you know, like in recent years, we've had movies where we've had, you know, black heroes. So yeah, so so that kind of narrative of the white savior is kind of being derailed, somewhat. Yeah. But it's something that's been with us, I mean, you know, for a long time. And you know, that's just how it. You know what? It was white people that was making the movies, so of course, that's the way that they saw the story. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, it's it, it's funny now. Now you. I'm talk not saying about it's right people. now. No. Okay. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying that's just how it was. Yeah. So so you were talking about black heroes. I I have to at least give a shout out to one of the great black heroes, and and uh, of course that would happen to be Pam Greer. Um, oh yeah, and to me, she she made such an impact on me. It's not even funny. And, and, and to this day, I love you know a woman kicking butt. But boy, the one thing that this article I was reading was that she played regular characters. She played a nurse. She played you know, and and uh, uh, she stepped up and and did what she had to do. And it's a great, uh, you know, one of the things we're talking about black exploitation films. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sinuses. But uh, uh, with black exploitation films, it was a sense of taking over the hero uh, uh, mold that that you know white uh, whites have done all all that time, and she did something 
I don't think there was any precedent to a real female hero, except if you get into Hong Kong film or things like that. I don't see, you know, someone like that before. And so, so again, we're taking a look at, 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 you know, how films portray things and, 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 issues and, and people. And I think that's one of the great uh, positive role models ever in film, period. Well, uh, yeah, well, as far as American film film goes, uh, Pam Greer was the first female action movie star. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we look at, we look at now we've got what, Linda Hamilton and Scorny Weaver, you know, Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's her name? Gina Carano. You know, all these yeah. female action stars. You know, all of them, you know, everything they do. Pam Grier was there first. Yeah. Absolutely. So one other thing I wanted to, to, to bring up as as we start to wind down the hour is, is Stephen, we were talking about some other things as far as uh, censorship and that. What were some of the other things that were coming up? Oh, uh, yeah, HBO Ma- uh Netflix has pulled The Mighty Boosh and The League of Gentlemen, two British comedies, and got rid of a Faulty Tower episode because they thought that they were racially insensitive. Did you hear about yeah. the, those? I've never even heard of those shows, so... You've lost me there. One thing that really gets me upset, though, the one thing that pisses me off, is that Disney uh, Plus, they don't show the uh, Michael Jackson episode of The Simpsons. You know, they pull that yeah. one. They don't show that one. You know, and that's one of my favorite episodes. What is their, what is their reasoning behind that? Uh, you know, the allegations of, uh, okay, you know, that's sexual abuse, okay. you know, Michael Jackson. And, the, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's why they pulled that episode. You know, which again, as I, which again, as I say, I tell people, I tell people, you know, listen, that's their right to do it. I'm pretty sure that episode is still available, like on the Blu-ray. You know, yeah. See the Blu-ray collection. So, I mean, so if I really wanted to see it, I could just go get that. You know, which is why I, I will always prefer physical media over. Uh, streaming anytime because if you just rely simply on streaming, well then you're at their mercy. If they decide they don't want to watch, watch, if they decide they don't want to show something anymore, you know, then what are you going to do? For me, I'd rather have the physical Blu-rays on the shelf. So if I feel like watching, you know, I don't know, yeah, any movie you can name that's supposed to be offensive, I can just go and just pull it off of there and stick it in my. Xbox One and go ahead and watch it and I'm cool. Yeah, I'm not really yeah, big. Well, you know, I love honest, it. Uh, let me say this real quick. If they're still Criterion, they have Roman Polanski movies. Now, uh, let's see. A lot of stations have Woody Allen movies. Shudder has the Jeepers Creepers movie by Victor convicted of that. Salva. They're not going to get rid of those. But one episode with Michael Jackson? Oh, we can't do that. 
Well, see, there you go. They gave Roman Polanski an Academy Award when he was, you know, he was living in Europe. And this is, you know, this is a guy that actually fled the country, I remind people. He fled the country. He got out literally one step ahead of the FBI. That was on well, his What ad. would you do if and, someone called and, you saying that they're going to set you up and put you in prison for 40 years? Yep. You'd run, too. You know, it's everything has two stories to it, but the 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 main thing here is is again, don't you feel that some of this is like a knee jerk reaction uh, without well, any context? Yeah, well, but see, that's human nature. Yeah. Human nature, you human nature is always a knee jerk reaction, and and it's only until later on that we stop and calm down and say, oh, okay, wait a minute. You know what? i got to rethink this. But nine times out of ten, yeah, that's what we have. We have a knee-jerk reaction. That's what we do. And then we have to walk it back later on and say, oh, you know something? I thought about it now, and, you know, I might I might have been wrong about this. And, yeah. But it just strikes me, it just seems to me it's like some kind of uh, – Penis measuring context. Oh, I'm more morally superior than you because I won't show this. Oh, no, I'm more morally superior than you because I won't show this, this, or this. Well, I'm more and morally superior. Rem- yeah. And you have to remember something else, too. When you're dealing with, okay, we have now, what, m- more streaming services than we need, to be honest, and that we'll ever be able to watch. Sometimes things are done just so they'll stand out. From the other one. Yeah. So if you want to, so if you want to bring attention to your streaming service, well, what's the best way to do that? Well, make an issue out of a certain movie. Say, okay, well, I'm not going to show this movie. Now all of a sudden, everybody's interested in your streaming service. You know, wondering, okay, well, why are they doing that? What do you, you know? Not every decision that's made. Don't believe for a minute that they're taking the moral ground simply because it's the moral ground. A lot of times, it's done. Simply because, it's, and like I said, especially now when you have a plethora of streaming services, you, you're trying to do something to stand out. <laughs> there are yeah, always alternative I, uh, oh. I have seen a lot well, of hold actors. On, hold that, go ahead. Okay, there are always ulterior motives, and one of the yeah. things that we yeah. look at here is, 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 you know, how genuine. Is it, or how disingenuous? Is it just because, you know, we have this situation with Floyd and and all this horrible things that go on with with uh, police brutality and Black Lives Matter? Oh, we just want to, you know, stand out and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to take down the 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 uh, Confederate uh, uh, statues and all of this. I feel that that a lot of this. And I'm seeing not from the people doing the marching, but from the corporations, from the politicians, that I feel it's disingenuous. That it's not. Okay, Carl, I'm going to say this. 90% of the Southerners, when NASCAR got rid of the rebel flag and then they took down the statues, 95% of us said, about freaking time. 
that flag yeah. and those statues have been nothing but an embarrassment to us. We've had to apologize for that wherever we go. Oh, like, I'm from down south. Yeah, you got that rebel flag down there. You still believe in old General Lee? I'm like, oh, my God. We got to get over that crap. <laughs> well, well, listen. Time. Hold on, hold on Stephen. Let, let Derek go. Go ahead, Derek. No, my only thing about that is that I, it, it's always been a mystery to me why this is the only why this is the only country because in other countries when somebody loses a war you take down their flags you take down everything <laughs> you know why is it that in the united states you know i mean you know south lost you know okay before the war you know bang bang boom you know you guys lost so therefore you don't get to brag about it anymore I know. you know you Stupid. you know you don't get i mean you know the war's been over for what uh, Hundreds of years now, and then still talk. Oh yeah, the South will rise again. You know, really? You know. So I mean, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. The only thing that I think they should do with the statues, I don't think that they should deface them. And again, here I get, here I'm going to get in trouble. I don't think that they should tear them down. I do think that they should be in museums. Yeah. Put them in museums. You know, don't have them on you display proudly. And you know, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And 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 the thing yeah, is museums. about discussion through all this, but part of this is education too. You know, I mean, to to really discuss Black history as it was and as it's real, as opposed to uh, uh, you know whitewashing the whole situation, and to really you know admit our mistakes and our faults. And say, don't do this shit again. But we don't do that as a country. And so, to me, a lot of this feels, you know, disingenuous because it is knee-jerk. I'll believe it when it's a year, two, five years from now. And how do we act toward each other? And how how do we change the, the systemic difficulties that we have? You know, instead of just talking about them. Instead of just marching about them, you know, how do we reach out and be, you know understand we're all equal and we're all human, and that's all there is. To one it. thing that I, one thing I've always admired uh, about the Jewish people and Jewish filmmakers, you know, is that they will make movies about the Holocaust, and you will never hear Jewish people say, "Well, they should stop making those movies. Why do they got to make another movie about the Holocaust?" Because their whole thing is. Never forget. And they're right. You shouldn't forget. That's why they keep making. Now, for black people, slavery was our Holocaust. So that's why I, right. I, I am not opposed to them making movies about slavery because we shouldn't forget. That was part of no. our history. Slavery is in the very DNA of this country, which is why we are still arguing about it today. We're still fighting about right. it because it was built into the DNA of this country. That's why when people say, okay, the system is broken. No, the system is not broken. This is the system as it was conceived. The system has to be changed. But it's not broken because right. that's the way it was set up. And I and and uh in the same way that, you know, uh the Jewish uh, people, they don't celebrate the Holocaust, but they also don't forget it. They educate 
their children and they educate other people about what the Holocaust was and what it did to them. Same way with black people, African-Americans, whatever you want to call us. We should be constantly educating our children and other ethnic groups about slavery and the impact it had on us and what it means to us and what it still means to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Very well I've spoken. I've had some people back in the OOs told, tell me that because I wasn't black, I shouldn't watch black exploitation films because that was racist. Oh. I've heard that too, actually. Well, <laughs> I've heard that well, too. Well, of course they're racist. Well, of course they're racist. <laughs> A lot of, but again, a lot of movies are no, racist. A lot of movies are racist. A lot was, of movies. They said that they meant that me and Carl were racist for just watching them. Oh, nah. Don't I'm watch the them. Whole... Don't worry about it. Nah. nah. Movies are meant to be watched and enjoyed, no matter who, no matter what your race. You, you know, what really. you want to watch. I agree. I wonder how I many agree. people that are mad today about Gone with the Wind and when it banned are the same people that got mad that Tyler Perry's movies got put in the theaters. Yeah, I remember that stuff. All y'all people out there going, why do they keep putting Tyler Perry's movies in the theaters? I don't want to watch them. Well, don't go see them. Yeah. People see it. It's just well, a, one other thing I want to bring up real, real quick. Okay, before the okay. hours up. So, so, what other film has to be mentioned? Because it's basically the uh, um, anniversary of when it came out. And that would be Blazing Saddles. So, I, I did a, a post on ISF on Blazing Saddles. And so many responses. And and I've always wanted to ask you a your take on 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 Blazing Saddles, Derek. But also, do you think it could be remade, or should it, or should we just not leave it alone? Leave it alone. First of all, okay. First of all, Blazing Saddles is the funniest movie ever made. Period. I don't care what you say. Don't throw, I don't care what other movie you throw at me. I'm not going to listen to you. Blazing Saddles is the funniest movie ever made. I have. I, I saw Blazing Saddles. I saw Blazing Saddles during its original theatrical run. Now, here's something yeah. that I always tell people. This is something I always tell people because people say, "Oh, that's a horrible movie." They use the N word in that movie. I saw Blazing Saddles with a mixed audience, white and black people. And you know what? Everybody laughed. Everybody had a good time. No race riot broke out. Nobody got mad because the white people were laughing at the use of the N-word because we understood what the movie was about. The movie was, you know, the movie was making fun of uh, people with racist Racist. attitudes and racist mentalities, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be remade because, um, you know what? You can't remake it now because whoever remakes it will want to clean it up. And there are some jokes in there that you simply can't. If you take out the jokes, the movie just doesn't work. All right. 
The movie just no, doesn't work. Great. Matter of fact, it, matter of fact, matter of fact, if you take out the N word, the movie doesn't work. One of the funniest scenes in the movie is when Cleavon Little as Black Bart, he's coming to the town of Rock Ridge, and the drunk is up in the bell tower, uh-huh. and he's supposed to tell him when the sheriff is coming, and they're ringing the bell, and he said the sheriff is a Big bong, big bong. Now, he doesn't say the word, but you know what he's getting ready to say. Now, the scene is funny because he's continually cut off from saying that word. You know, if you don't have that scene in it, you know, that joke doesn't work without that word. And to prove that he takes that word seriously is that scene where the little old woman says it to him. That oh yeah, when he said, "Oh, it, that seemed like a punch to the stomach and the jaw." It doesn't come off and, as light or fluffy. No. And that scene, that scene, when I saw it, I remember that got one of the biggest laughs. And people, yeah. but see now, but see now, people say, "Well, you're not supposed to laugh at that word." You're not supposed to laugh at that word. But but the genius of Mel Brooks is that he understood. And for the, those people who don't know. Richard Pryor wrote that movie with him. Yeah. Yeah. So Richard Pryor, so Richard Pryor understood the context of using that word and why Mel Brooks wanted to use that word. Because Mel Brooks said, "Okay, listen, I don't care. We have to use the word." Because the studio didn't want them to use it. They were convinced that Blazing Saddles was going to be a flop. They were com- they were convinced that people were going to tear down the theaters and everything like that. Turned out to be one of the biggest hits. You know, the studio had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to to me, what always boils me about that film is when people, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there's the N-word, there's this, there's that, there's that. And yet the whole movie is about being, you know, about anti-racism, about, you know, breaking that wall. And And, and it's not a racist movie. It's a fucking anti-racist movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because that same old woman that says, get out of my way, the word, and then about 50 minutes down the line in the movie, she's cooking him a pie and handing it to him, saying, thank you for saving us today. And then she apologized. She said, oh, by the way, sorry about the insight. Yeah. (laughs) And Cleveland Little says, thank you, ma'am. You know. And it's funny no, it, because it, the woman is so. What makes it funny is that she's so sincere, but she's still being offensive. <laughs> but she's sincere in her offensiveness. <laughs> yeah, it's. See, see, I, I think again. One of the things I always say about this is context. Context. Look at the whole thing. Don't be just, you know, you know, offended by a word or offended by how people are portrayed. Look at the context. Look at the whole thing. Just like you said at the, about Gone with the Wind. Who's the villain of the piece? If you see it that way, you see things differently. Always keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Keep your mind open. Yeah, you like... I, uh, this is too quick. You look at the first five minutes, you see a guy who's the most miserable mother father in the world and then the mac 
He comes in the movie at the first of the credits, miserable, wearing cheap clothes on a bus. What does he do at the end of the movie? He leaves town, miserable, in cheap clothes on a bus. Those are not happy, bright portrayals of the street life. No. They're not. I have had people I have had people that once you know, and when we talk about the movie that we're discussing, Gone with the Wind, when I've you know, given them that perspective and I said, Okay, well, you know, look at the movie this way. Scarlett O'Hara is the villain of the movie. They said that once they go back and look they said it was like watching a brand new movie. Once they looked at yeah. it, you know, from from that point of view that she's the villain. They said, Oh, okay. It becomes a different movie then. Once you shift, exactly. once you shift your percept, once you shift your perception, you know now it's a whole different movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed, very very yeah. much so. So so let's. I'm just going to go around the table once, and, and and let's finish up with our last thoughts on on this, on on um, how we look at films, whether or not uh, we should educate censor, whatever, and uh, let's start with you, Stephen. We should educate. I mean, even the NAACP now says that if they put a five-minute blurb before Song of the South, they wouldn't give a darn about it coming out. But Disney still refuses to put it out. You have to tell people why. Always. Put things in context. Yeah. How about you? How about you, Derek? Me, I am always going yeah. to say that people should watch movies like Gone with the Wind and Song of the South, and although these movies should be made available to people for them to watch, so they can make up their own minds about how they feel about it. You know. Um, I'm never going to say, okay, well, you shouldn't watch this movie. You should. There's a lot of movies that I don't like, I can't stand. Okay, I hate the movies of Eli Roth, but does that mean that I want to see Eli Roth not make movies? No, because there are people out there who enjoy his movies for whatever reason, you know, but that's their thing. You know, just the same way, going with the wind, as I said at the top of the album when we, you know, when I made my initial statement, to me, this is one of the best examples of a style of filmmaking that we will never see again. You know, I mean, it, it's a gorgeous movie to look at. You know, the costuming, the sets, you know, the cinematography. Just on that basis, it deserves to be seen. As far as the racial uh, stuff goes, okay, have a little bumper at the beginning of the movie, or even better, because I remember. Uh, a few years back, my wife and I were watching, uh, there was a series of Charlie Chan movies. It was a marathon they had one summer on the Fox Movie Channel. And uh, there was some backlash from the Asian American community. So what Fox did was that instead of taking the movie down and not showing them, before they showed the Charlie Chan movies, what they did was that they had a panel of Asian Americans. Uh, George Takei was one of them. You know, they had, um, and they sat down and they discussed the movie and they put it in context. 
you know. And do the I, same thing with going with the, do the same. Yeah, do the yeah. same thing with going with the wind. Or and, and not only going with the wind, any other movie that people think is offensive and should be put in context. Because yeah, you know, you should put it in context. You know, use it as opportunity to educate people and uh, enlighten them as to why this movie. Yeah, okay, this part isn't so good, but this is why you should see the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, okay. and I happen to agree with it. I'm I'm not uh, one at all for censorship, but I am certainly one for education and for putting things in context. Uh, but I think also. I think we should educate ourselves so that we understand context. Uh, and, and as adults, I see a lot of adults not being able to do that. And that, that to me is, is disappointing to say the least. But, but at this point in time, if they do things like they are with HBO Max, with, uh, with the bumpers and that, I think that's good. And I think that's a good step. Um, I just wish maybe it wasn't necessary, but it is. Um, so anyway, before we head off, uh, Derek, we didn't get a chance for you to, uh, to, to tell about what you're doing and, and your books and everything. Where can we buy your books and all that sort of good stuff? Oh, well, if you want to buy any of my books, all you got to do is just go to Amazon.com, put Derek Ferguson in the search. And everything that I have written to date will pop up. Uh, if you want to find out more information about me, you can go to my website, Ferguson Inc., which is, like I said, it's got a lot of background information on me. Uh, you know, I've got book reviews up there. I've got interviews with other writers. And you can find that at fergusoninc.com. And then there is, since we're talking about movies, there is the Ferguson Theater, which is my movie review site. I've got something like 500 movie reviews up there now. You can find that at DerekLFerguson.com. Matter of fact, some of the black exploitation movies that we were discussing in this episode, you can find reviews up there of Sugar Hill, uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem, uh, the Shaft movies. Um, Yeah, there's if you like movies, by all means, go there and check out my reviews. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. And also, I, I, I have to at least mention that Derek and I hooked up on a particular uh, website on uh, uh, Facebook, which is Usimi Darrow. Uh, and uh, uh, it's a bunch of writers and podcasters, and it's an excellent site. There's also uh, Pro Safe Press. Uh, and and if you like good action uh, uh, heroes and that sort of thing, uh, Derek does a whole series on on Dylan, and that's part of the Black Pulp movement. So definitely, you know, check him out. He's really good at what he does. Oh yeah, and yeah, I forgot to mention that you you can go to you can find uh, uh, you can go to mydylan.com, and that's background information on that character and where you can find the books at. And if after reading that stuff, you don't want to find out more about them, well, there's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so uh, Stephen, what do we have coming up? 
Okay, coming up we have Saturday for LGBT month. We're going to be doing a show on LGBT movies. And we'll have Kevin Nicholson with us, hopefully, if everything works That's out. That's actually on Sunday, isn't it? That's Sunday, yeah, not Saturday. Sunday. And tomorrow night, me, Carl, and Fred Gore are going to be doing a live watch of Joker. Ooh. And yeah, so we're doing episode, that. If you look in the archives, me and Carl have done watches of last week we did The Spook Who Sat by the Door. And we've done the Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Book of Numbers. If you haven't seen Book of Numbers, you need to. That's the one of all the movies in this show that you need to see the most. It's on YouTube. You need to see it. Yeah, you know what? I And know what? I haven't seen that movie in about like 10, 15 years. I really need to watch that again, Book of Numbers. Thank you. Well, yeah, let me know it's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that in years, and I really like that movie. I, I really do too. I think it's. I think there are so many lost uh, black exploitation films out there, and that's certainly one. Another one, if you can find it, I think it was on Tubi. Is is um, uh, Top of the Heap, which is one of my favorites and not well known either. So yeah, I would recommend mm. that one too. Okay, I'll have to watch a book of numbers. I have to watch that tomorrow night because I'm gonna. I'm, my wife and I are gonna watch the new Spike Lee movie on uh, Netflix tonight. Oh, I want to oh, see cool. that one. Yeah, that's supposed to be real good. I've heard a lot of good things about it already. So uh, yeah, I was gonna. Me and my wife was gonna watch it earlier, but of course I had to jaw jack with you guys. <laughs> Okay, know. well, now you can you know. watch it now. <laughs> I don't want okay. to that. And that one's called The Five Bloods, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It hit Netflix today. It's getting great reviews, and it seems like it's going to be not only a great Spike Lee film, it's going to be a heck of an action film, too. Well, you know what? I'm glad to see that Spike Lee has got his mojo back. He was... He was a little bit off the beam there for a while, but it looks like he, you know, whatever he, whatever hoodoo he did, you know, it seems like he, you know, his directorial muscles are back, you know, to 100% Well, he gets again. to play in his own little play box and don't have to answer to nobody, so hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, Spike Lee is an independent filmmaker, you know, and and he's one of those filmmakers <clears throat> that works best when you just let him do what he wants to do. And Netflix, I mean, you know, they're renowned for that. They just tell filmmakers, listen, go make the movie that you want. And, you know, they don't interfere from everything I've heard. You know, they don't interfere. They just let mm-hmm. people go make the movie that they want and give them enough money to make the movie. Right. Right. And actually, if there's a movie that I think that changed his mojo, it's when he remade Ganja and Hess and he did The Sweet Blood of Jesus. I think that reinvigorated that, him. That's an interesting movie. Ganja, I, love that I movie. mean, Ganja and Hess and The Sweet Blood of Jesus, yeah. It's, it, both of them are very uh, highly interesting movies. I always recommend them, especially around like Halloween, because I always, you know, uh, remind people of a lot of black horror movies. And I'm always surprised at how many people, no matter how many times I post my review of it, I always have a, a whole bunch of people say, well, I've never heard it. How come I've never heard of this movie? 
because you haven't been listening to me. <laughs> no. Well, the one I trump the most is JD's Revenge. Oh, everybody's heard of JD's yeah. Revenge. That's like, yeah, that's like a classic. I know. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to carry that flag no more. Yeah, every, yeah, really. Everybody knows that one. <laughs> well, it was a time All no right, one did. So. <laughs> So, everybody out there, I hope you've been taking notes. I hope you go watch all these films. I want to thank Derek Ferguson very, very much for coming on. Derek, you're always welcome. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Really. Oh, you're welcome, man. And, Stephen, as always, I really appreciate everything you do and producing and doing all you did. And uh, I want to just thank everyone for listening. And, folks, have a good night. Thank you very oh, much. For last thing, it's nice to be on a show with someone who actually has seen Five on the Black Hand side besides me. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, then. Thank you, guys. Okay. Good night. Bye, Thanks, guys. Take care, man. Good night, everyone.